Hi, and welcome to The Parent Equation with me, Aisha Murray, the podcast series where working parents share their unique stories of raising a family alongside their career. From complete career changes to parental rights, from IVF to single parenting, each episode is inspiring and I'm so grateful to all my guests for being so candid. Parenting isn't easy, but we're all in it together. So on today's episode, I'm joined by the Apocalypse Daddy, who is Mark Fielding. So welcome, Mark. Uh, hello. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks it's great for to have having you on. me on. Thank now, the, you. First, the first obvious question, who is Apocalypse Daddy? <laughs> who, who is Apocalypse Daddy? <laughs> uh, Mark Fielding. Apocalypse Daddy was born out of the, the rubble of the first lockdown. So mm-hmm. last year, 2020. March, March the 17th. And I know it was March the 17th because that was my first blog post as Apocalypse Daddy, right, the, first, okay, okay. the first day of lockdown in France. And at the time, I don't know if you remember, but it was it was quite a, not fun, but they, it was a 15 mm. day lockdown. Mm. So we I, I live in France. We were given a 15 day lockdown and 15 days with the family brilliant I can spend all that time playing with my my children and then I wanted a way to document it for my family in England as well mm-hmm. so I started writing the apocalypse daddy which is just about our day-to-day life during the lockdown I'd take photos write about what we we're doing the remote learning um and each day sent it to sent it to my family back in England and they enjoyed it they started sharing it yep and I've pretty much written every day since then. <laughs> that 15 days of coronavirus yeah, lasted longer than we thought. Last 365. Yeah. <laughs> and counting, actually more, even more now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then, so obviously writing, I think a lot of people actually started writing in lockdown for various reasons, cathartic, journaling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think, I believe you have a writing background. So do you think it came quite easily to you to to start doing that in a sort of more professionalized way yeah yes so a, a professional writing background's a bit grandiose <laughs> for the moment perhaps but so I think maybe if I go back so how did I end up a thousand meters up a mountain in France mm-hmm. with a French wife two bilingual children and juggling three jobs in the midst of a global pandemic <laughs> Yeah, let's go there. Let's talk about that. <laughs> then I can get to it. So yeah, I'm gonna, it's, it's a love story, obviously. So 2005, we've got to go back a long way. I'll make it quick. I was working as an editorial assistant in a book publishers in Chichester, south yeah. coast of England. Yeah. Um, beautiful place. Mm. And there was a, a French girl doing her work experience at the book publishers. She knew a young French lady who was doing her work experience in London. They were both in England. They knew nobody. Mm. Now, there was another editor at this book publisher. It was her birthday. She organised a party. Benny, the future apocalypse mummy, she came <laughs> to Chichester. Yeah. We had a party and um, we kind of bonded over writing editorials. So they were, everyone was in this publishing house. Everybody was a writer. Everyone was editing and yeah it was nice 
And then the next day, my friend at the editor, she called me and said, look, quick, uh, Benny has to catch a train. We didn't go to bed, really. Um, she's going to miss the train. You've got a car. Can you give her a lift to the station? So I said, yeah. I went and gave her a lift to the station. Just before she got on the train, I said, I should take your email address because that's what you did in 2005. Yeah. Is you, you took email addresses and took her email address and went our separate ways. So she went back to France. At the time, I was finished doing my editorial assistant and then the winter came along. I pursued my other passion, which was snowboarding and hospitality. I went to Austria and through the power of MSN Messenger, I don't know if you remember MSN Messenger. This is pre-Facebook. This is pre-Facebook and I I think possibly quite a lot of people found their husbands and wives perhaps on MSN Messenger. So we, we started chatting on MSN Messenger. The winter came to an end. I went to Paris on my way home to visit Benny and I never got home. And yeah, and then so I was in Paris, started looking for a job in Paris, very quickly realised that trying to find a job in Paris when you don't speak French is not tricky, very <laughs> easy. So I, 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 I was reading a lot of like Hemingway and Carrick at the time. I think I'll become a writer. I'll teach English. Mm-hmm. I got a job teaching English, started writing blogs for different people. And those two careers kind of intertwined with each other during my life in Paris so there was a lot of writing and when the lockdown came it I I can't really explain why it just seemed like something natural that I wanted to do that I had to do and I started writing the apocalypse daddy blog from there it's quite a long way to get to that point but that's that's the story of the apocalypse daddy Misha. and where were the kids where were the kids very well described and where were the kids born and raised so in France now but was are they entirely French born and raised um, they, so Alice, who's now five, she's just five. She's having her third birthday tomorrow, but she was five last week. <laughs> um, she was born in Paris. Mm-hmm. And then, so we were living in Paris and the Parisian dream, as most people listening to this, life changed very abruptly mm-hmm. um, <laughs> when Alice was born. And we were no longer living any kind of Parisian dream. We moved to the suburbs and our lives yeah. became what the French called a uh, metro boulot dodo, um, <laughs> sleep, travel, work, sleep, travel, yeah. work. Yeah. And Sounds much better in French. Uh, uh, as well, many you, do. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, the, the reality of it is the same and yeah. it became very... Um, yeah, yeah, what, yeah, it... it, it I don't know if it's not fun. Obviously, it's amazing, but it just becomes the big city mm-hmm. in this life didn't really fit what we wanted to be doing. Yeah. So we moved to the French Alps, to a town called Bourg Saint-Mousse, which is where mm-hmm. Luca was born, and Luca is now too. Okay. So they are both French. They both have yeah. British passports, yeah. but they were both born in French. Mm-hmm. In France, they are both French, mm-hmm. which is... Obviously, fully bilingual, born and, born and raised there. Um, I, I, if some of your listeners are familiar with bilingualism, Alice is 
she's better in French. So it's the majority language. She goes to school in French. She she lives in France. We have English friends here. It's Mm. because it's the mountains. There's quite a big expat community. But fortunately, we get quite a lot of input from that. But most of her life day to day is in French. So yeah. And, and for reasons which I can't quite remember, we haven't been to England so much this year. <laughs> Let's not dwell on the reasons why, why none of us have done anything this so, last year. Um, they are bilingual. They will be bilingual, but they're definitely living and going to school in France. They, their French is better. Yeah. And presumably your French is better than it was in 2005. Better than it was. That's a, a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, be- find, do you find as the, as the non-native speaker in the family you're at a disadvantage at all are there sort of secret conversations maybe they're not old enough yet secret conversations going on that daddy's not party to um uh, there's a lot of conversations that I don't understand what they're saying so I think <laughs> definitely it's 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 one of those c- cliche double-edged sword yeah there are things like that and but it's also wonderful because the the way that they think about words and the way sometimes that they they say things they mix the languages they'll say something in English in French they'll stick a French word in the English sentence and vice versa and it's it's very charming and very funny a lot of the time (laughs) it's yeah and I'm sometimes I'm not part of the joke sometimes I am the joke (laughs) yeah so is France for you then for the time being with lockdown aside is this as a long-term plan or is there any plan to come back to England for any sort of childcare reasons or education reasons? Culturally, linguistically, in some point, it'd be nice for them to go to school in England. Not yet, maybe when they're late, late early teens, possibly. Right mm. now, um, no. So my wife, Apocalypse Mummy, is actually another retrainee after the last year so she's Mm -hmm. training to be a musical therapist now so her training lasts another two years so for at least the next two years we're in France I'm doing a lot of writing a lot of teaching things are things are going great at the moment so yeah and obviously because your kids were born there you haven't had the experience of UK childcare with small kids etc so without being able to compare necessarily, how does the fr- the French sort of childcare system compare, if you can compare, to the UK? From, I can't compare it personally. I do have friends, many friends who have kids about the same age as Luke and Alice who tell me how lucky I am or how lucky we are because th- there is a lot of childcare crash um, nurseries are provided there are state subventions for nannies mm-hmm. that there does the social system does seem to offer a lot of advantages it, for that so yeah. Yeah. is it it's different mm-hmm. there's definitely a cultural difference between from what I see I can't this sweeping generalizations I shouldn't do that but I don't know what the view in England is. Does everybody send their kids to crash to nurseries? It's or I I feel that perhaps they stay at home longer in in UK. I don't know if that's I true. They probably. St- I mean, again, I'm not an expert, but anecdotally, I guess they stay nine months average at homes. Babies nine months per year. Okay. So, again, this is a topic I'm often 
discussing, especially with the, the dads on this podcast, um, who you've, you know and you've listened to some of them, is that now in the UK, the, the fathers are starting to take more of that parental leave, the share of parental leave than they used to, which is great. So they're getting, you know, three months at home or sharing, sharing the, whatever the company gives you, sharing that with the mum. So they're getting a good chunk of time with their babies. Whereas before when my kids were born, it was two weeks. Yeah. Newborn two weeks, which nothing happens anyway, for that first two weeks really. No. Um, so two weeks of watching something just lying on the floor, <laughs> doing nothing in particular. Um, and then you go back to work. So actually as a father, you'd miss out on, I suppose the three months bit, maybe when they start to wake up and start to do things. So that is definitely getting a lot better. And whether we're ahead of Europe in that, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but there's certainly a, a positive trend towards fathers feeling like they can ask their employers to have that leave and they feel confident that they'll be supported if they want to take that time off. Whereas I think before, maybe they didn't feel like they would be allowed to or they'd miss out on too many opportunities at work. Or, so that's probably as forward okay it's quite forward thinking now i've always been self-employed working for myself so when alice was born because i was so motivated for her to speak english and because i'd read about so what we have called majority and minority languages and they recommend that for your child to really learn the minority language which for her would be english you need 20 25 hours a week of okay of mm. solid English so I took a day off work I stopped working one day per week and it was just me looking after Alice which was awesome but I I wouldn't have been able to do that obviously if I'd been working and my French friends my French father friends definitely didn't experience masses of paternity leave so they, yeah. there wasn't mm. and there didn't seem to be the conversation going on as readily as it is over in the UK mm. yeah. again I could be wrong but yeah um for me it was important to spend time with her so I took the time off but that's one of the upsides of being self-employed is yeah. you can do that there's the flexibility yeah plenty of downsides having to find your own business and find your own work <laughs> plenty of downsides but I, I, I like that juggling so I like I, t- I teach I write I before before they closed the world I, I did mm-hmm. some hospital I worked in hospitality as well so I did mm-hmm. some partnership building between French and UK companies yeah. but I always I love that uncertainty <laughs> of, of never quite knowing where the next job's yeah. coming from yeah. <laughs> so then as a as a working dad um working dad in France maybe irrelevant or relevant but working dad how do you how do you create your boundaries and as a family between yeah. because you're self-employed you could work all the hours god sends potentially you know it's yeah. up to you to, to earn the money um how do you keep those boundaries sort of protected between your work time and your family time with a um with a system of management essentially so we made the decision along even before alice was born that when we were going to have kids that there had to be that division. We're, we're quite a musical family, so we call it like work-life harmonisation, not balance, but that, that harmony between work and life, which you have to have, a, and we, well, we do anyway, strict delineation. So work is work, and once the work is finished, we don't bring it 
home. Um, so five o'clock, six o'clock, we, we just turn the work off. And it's it's very, it, it's not easy and it wasn't easy. And it's, it's, a, it's about forming the habit. Now it's easy, but at the beginning, when Alice was young, it wasn't easy to have those different worlds to turn off mm. when you finish work. And it took time, but once the habit was set and once it it just feels better when you're when your work and your family time aren't mixing and it's so we have we don't have any phone no notifications so our phones don't have notifications on anyway you have to check those so that's very very easy because your phone's not always there so we don't need to be checking because the notifications aren't coming in so we have that and yeah just a system of time planning and distraction killing which yeah and we, it sounds it sounds so simple but I think you're right it's, it's the habit that's important because um I think a lot of my clients especially at the moment because everyone's at home working a lot of my clients find it really hard to do what you do and is to switch off at five or six or seven whatever time it is is to close the laptop, turn the phone off and say, right, now it's protected family time because they do do what you've just mentioned and just check the phone or something else buzzes and they just go, hold on, I'll just have a quick look and then the quick look turns into an hour of work. Yeah. So I think, as you say, that habit is so important. You have to break the pattern, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Break the pattern. And once you break that pattern, once you have that habit in place, it's it becomes almost... It becomes difficult to go back on that habit um if that makes sense because you if your habit is to for your work and your family time to be mixed together then if you create a habit of them not being mixed together it's difficult to go back yeah yeah um one of the things about the apocalypse daddy and writing during the lockdown is so for those who don't know the apocalypse daddy is essentially a day-to-day diary of what we did but told in a alternative way (laughs) and it very much made me conscious of just how fleeting and how quickly the family changes Mm. and it just kind of hammered home how important that delineation was for us so March last year Luke and my son he just turned one Mm. he couldn't he couldn't walk he couldn't talk he could barely crawl he couldn't really do anything Today, he's hiding things from his sister and coming to me and negotiating with me. He knows where the food is. He wants mm. he wants things. So his sister's crying, trying to find her toys. He's negotiating with me, like running around, trying to rule his domain. And, and a year ago, yeah, he couldn't crawl or walk at all. And it's so, so quick. Mm. And it, you, it just by being present there by switching mm. off when you get to work you get yeah. to witness that yeah a lot more um profoundly mm. Mm. i suppose having it as you have noted down as in a daily record of these changes and the, and the different situations and the the good and the bad and the highs and the lows yeah. that once they do grow up and those memories will be well forgotten from the sense that they're not just there to pluck from your memory anymore yeah. you'll have that record to look back yeah. on forever yeah exactly yeah remind yourself of those things my, my witness statement and it also makes you responsible because 
of that. So I mean, I could just make it all up and lie and create this. <laughs> I was the best dad in the world ever. Hey, look, kids, when they're 20, they can read it. Mm. But that, that would be irresponsible. But yeah, there is that. And one day they will read it and hopefully enjoy reading it. Probably be embarrassed but yeah definitely, sure, definitely <laughs> be embarrassed it depends on which forum you share it if it's yeah. on, on one of their wedding days and you sort of stand up and start to read out stories of when they were two years old and doing whatever they're doing that could be potentially well, embarrassing yeah that, and there will be a lot yeah no <laughs> probably won't do that might do that <laughs> as you say so my my youngest is six now and for me that it feels like the perfect age and other people said this before she got to this age that sort of between five and seven it's just perfect because they are still young enough to adore you and need you and they're still cuddly and squishable and you know and the, yes. but they but they can you know they're speaking as older children but still yeah. with a slightly baby voice and still making mistakes which is very endearing and all these sort of things and they haven't got into pre-teen back chat all the sort of stuff which I'm now getting for my 11 year old which is lovely um so that's sort of, sort of precious time where actually they're just a perfect combination of everything but as yeah. you say it's so quick and it's before, so I, before I know it she will be a, a pre-teen saying no to things and suddenly being sort of lanky and not quite so squishable so I said having, just having that record of that so maybe as parents we should all be writing not necessarily every day, but certainly writing these things down. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I guess a lot of your clients, do they journal? Do you journal? Do you? Yeah, and it's funny because I have a mixed view of journaling. I, I think sometimes when you say journaling to somebody, if they're not a natural writer or natural diary taker, they see it as potentially being a chore and they say, oh, yeah. God, I don't want to have to sit down for an hour a day and write. I said, no, 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 you, you don't have to make it a chore. It could just be a minute every other day when something pops into your head that you just want to get on paper. So I think it's it's reframing it for people so it doesn't feel like you have to be doing this long sort of diary entries every day. It can just be a notepad by the side of the bed that they just write a thought down when it pops into their yeah. head. So that, 100%. Um, and actually, I used to, which I should remind me, I should do more of, I used to email my daughter so she's she's got an email account that she can't access yet. Um, <laughs> but I set, I set up an email account when she was born. And when I remember, because I'm online all the time, it's just easier for me. When I remember, I just send her an email from my email about whatever's happening. That's amazing. And it's just, I guess it's digital. It's all there for the last 11 years. And sometimes I'll go for six months and not do it. And suddenly I'll have a sort of rush of, <gasps> need to get some stuff out, tell her what's been going on, tell her about the lockdown, tell her about, She's got a new sister. Oops, forgot to tell her that. Um, and just sort of get it all out that way. So for me, maybe that's what people can do. It doesn't have to be physical pen and paper. That's amazing. How will she? So when how when she's a certain age, she'll you'll give her the password. Yes. And she'll have to yeah, all she'll of have that. all these. She'll have years worth of. And again, it's sporadic. It's not sort of you know sometimes it's big gaps and but there's definitely stuff going back to when she was born in 2010. That's awesome. That's brilliant. So, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Better do, better do some more of that. So but to your point, yes, journaling can be, it should be an enjoyable process, shouldn't it? Yeah, it should be. And if people don't need to make it a chore, they you know, once a week, just have a family check-in where you yeah. just chat, chat it out. You don't need to write it down, just chat it out. It's the best parts of the week, what you've done. One of the things we did during 
lockdown was we had a, like a daily gratitude journal and when people say gratitude journals oh it's another chore it's one of these bywords for um that's not something that a lot of people take seriously but we did it in a fun way so yeah. we had a chalkboard in our kitchen we had chalk the kids just drew on the chalkboard and every morning we we're making toast and tea you just a few things that you've enjoyed in the last 24 hours which we did that really just to remove the doom and gloom of mm -hmm. lockdown so even though you you a lot of people you try to keep the doom and gloom out of the confinements, out of the lockdowns, yeah. but we're always on the phone to family and relatives, mm. or we were on the phone mm. to family and relatives talking about, especially early on, and that would have definitely bled through into our kids. Yeah. And so we did yeah. that to just to make them focus on these positive things every morning and a mm. couple of minutes. And yeah, a journal doesn't have to be written down. You can just make it a fun thing you do with the family. Yeah, yeah, very true. And it's another one I think I mentioned on a LinkedIn article probably about a year ago. I think it was Dr. I'm gonna get it wrong. Dr. Chatterjee, I think, on something or other. And it was okay. basically three questions that he would ask his kids at the end of every day. Okay, yes. One one was, what have you done for someone today? So what good thing did you do for someone? What good thing did someone do to you? And what which which thing today made you the most happy? So that's a very simple questions. But it was interesting to say, not just what did you do for someone else but what does someone else do to make you feel good so that's quite an interesting dynamic having both both sides to that story Def, definitely and kids think they dwell and mull on things as well so with alice if she'll she'll hear a song on the radio and she'll just sing it for hours and they mm -hmm. i think they do the same things with what they're thinking about so if they're thinking about this kind of thing that somebody did for them or they did for somebody mm -hmm. else that it's not just that instance they're doing it later in the day they're doing it yeah. when they're talking to themselves yeah. when they're going to yeah. sleep but it's kind of mm. yeah it, it it's it lasts longer than that instance very positive yeah. yeah definitely the processing as you said i think the processing takes longer that yeah that's it the processing yeah it's... and often you do see you do see kids when they come back from school especially the younger kids not teenagers necessarily acting out their sort of school day when they're talking especially about siblings so they'll start to do their role play, imagination play, and it'll be exactly it'll be paraphrasing what they've had at school that day. So everything okay. they've, I said, everything that's happened to them suddenly comes out and it's a mini, mini role play. As they, I suppose as they process it and, and understand what it actually meant and what did that mean for me, but without realising that's what they're doing. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think things seep, seep into kids' heads, which we assume they're not hearing or they're not listening to because maybe they're too young to understand it. But actually it does all go in. Yeah. And I think that, that that stems back to the work-life balance as well. If you're like before we started this, you spoke about um, your your conversation with John Adams and how the, our children are watching us and learning and taking on board, especially yeah. the, the tech side of how we're living and the nine-to-five structure of our working lives. Yeah. And they are definitely taking on that. And they're also, but they're mirroring us as well. So if we're if we're refusing to do the nine to five, we're going to turn our backs on that, which is great. But mm -hmm. at the same time, we're kind of almost becoming 24 hour workers where we're the, the two threads are intertwined yeah. throughout yeah. the day. Mm -hmm. That's not mm -hmm. necessarily better either. So you have, yeah, I think that mirroring of us is why it's important to have a, a work mm -hmm. and a family and, 
a separation of those two things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And we talk a lot in the coaching world and another world about role modeling um, and parents role modeling sort of the future that, you know, that the children are going to see. And often asking, so if I ask my child, if you ask your kids, what would, not what do you want to be when you grow up, but what do you see, what do you see your mummy and daddy doing? You know, how does that going to influence what they will end up doing? Yeah. And the reason I left my marketing career a few years ago is because if, if I'd asked that question of my daughter, she would have said, my mummy is angry all the time. <laughs> she's shouting at me to get my socks on because she's running to get the train to work. And in the evening, she's coming back or getting back home late and rushing around for dinner. And it's all a bit up here. I think that's what she would have said. And I don't want, I don't, never want her to look back on her childhood and, and think that's what her life was. And that's what work meant as well. That's what work means. Yeah. You okay, that- shout at your kids and you have to be sort of manic the whole time. So it's, it's what do you want your kids to say about you and your work patterns and your, your work life harmony? Yeah. When they're older, what do you want them to look back and see? It's good that you, powerful that you came to that realization because mm-hmm. I imagine to when you made that realization, there's a lot of financial downside to turning yeah. your back on that. So yeah, no, it's absolutely. Um, absolutely not just financial. I think again, everyone, everyone in the same boat has this. I think that I've certainly I've spoken to financial, of course, but the confidence that you're allowed or the permission that you're actually allowed to do something different. And that you can turn your back on a sort of a good, secure career yeah. and say, actually, no, I don't want that anymore. And being able to feel like you can say that and people aren't going to go, well, what do you mean? What earth are you talking about? So I think it's the confidence that holds a lot of people back. Yeah. Just knowing they can do something different. Yeah, well, it, it's you, it, confidence breeds confidence as well, doesn't it? So it's once you take that leap. Like you did. And you're a great example of that as well, obviously, because the work that you do now, as you said before, it's it's varied, it's things that you enjoy doing, it's a mixture of different things you enjoy doing. You're living in a in a beautiful part of, of the world. Um it is the it is a beautiful part of the world. Yeah. I mean, you, you showed me they can't unless I might use the video on this, I'm not sure yet, but you showed me out the window then. This is the view of the Alps, which is pretty pretty impressive view to have. Yeah, it's uh, the the spring alpine meadow just outside the window, hundred cows keeping us up at night. <laughs> So that in itself is going to create some sense of peace, I would imagine, just having that kind of out the window. So you've made those decisions for you and your family. Yeah, we 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 made those decisions because the living for us, yeah, the, the commuting, the living in the big city by a bus stop, by a main road, it it just wasn't long-term what we want to do yeah so we made the decisions and my, my, my wife took a job high up in a, a mountain ski resort so on a, on the friday when we left we left paris mm-hmm. on a saturday on the friday my wife did her last day of work on the place de la concorde in paris and on monday morning she was two thousand meters of a mountain in a snowstorm and you you know you <laughs> a, a crazy change but something that we had we felt we had to do so we did yeah and it's you know and then if it's not what you want to do in a few years time as you said then you decide what the next step should be don't you I think it's it's just taking it as it comes and just doing what feels right for you and you and your family there's the most important things in the world obviously yeah doing we do what we love doing but you have to offset that with 
a rationality for yeah. the the day to day living, which you you have to do. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, you can you can combine the two. Yeah. And I think yeah. that a lot of people in the last year, from listening to your podcast, a lot of change and a lot of people coming to pretty powerful realizations mm-hmm. about what they want in life both from work and family and yeah definitely definitely and that's that is a silver lining to a pandemic that's where yeah if a global pandemic can do anything (laughs) positive (laughs) it's done that it's done that so what's what's the future of apocalypse daddy do you think so obviously at the moment i imagine having young kids there's there's always something to write about every day because kids do amazing funny silly things all the time which which gives you a lot of material yeah. As they get older and they go to school full time and they're out of the house a lot more, where do you think Apocalypse Daddy will will go over the years? So, yeah, you're definitely right. Um, and as the life gets back to normal, I won't be with them as much all day, every day. So the book, so I sent you the book, that definitely is a, sna- a snapshot of a year, essentially, mm-hmm. in the life of our family. And that was beautiful to write and it's gonna be you know it might get published it might not get published mm-hmm. i think i think it's pretty good but maybe other people might not <laughs> think so but for the blog apocalypse daddy so i'm mo- you're right about that and like you can't just repeat the magic every day as well so mm-hmm. i've been studying seo done some web marketing courses and yep. going to move not move the blog keep doing the apocalypse daddy stories but also use it as a SEO writing window for my writing career so I can use yeah, it almost, yeah. almost like a portfolio or a, yeah. of my work and yeah. practice my SEO. And it's just nice to have a place where mm. I can write about parenting, but I write about productivity, I write about psychology, I write about um, all, all kinds of things, cryptocurrency, yeah. podcasts, mm-hmm. music. It's mm-hmm. So it will move more into a apocalypse daddy on life rather than apocalypse daddy just on his kids yeah yeah and also as your kids especially when they get into their teenage years they will be informing you more presumably about life because teenagers no. know more than their parents don't they so no <laughs> well, no one of, one, of, one of the things about apocalypse daddy is that it another thing about it, it makes you realize the future isn't so far away and i mm. want my kids are not going to be more technically savvy than I am or or fitter than I am when they're a teenager I'm still going to beat them yeah. in a race I'm still going to be yes. able to out tech them um <laughs> that's the that's the, it's a good objective goal. to have I'm with you no, I'm with you on that otherwise you get lost in you know they can soon take over can't they yeah, if they start yeah. knowing more than you can although I think that's probably wishful thinking on my part but yeah it's fine it's a good vision it's a good vision to have stick with it for now anyway um, but for the blog, yeah, I'm going to keep on blogging. I'm going to, you know, it's people, it is resonating with people. So it's mm-hmm. more people are reading it. I will, I will put this podcast transcript on it, yeah, you know, and just absolutely. keep, yeah, yeah, just keep, keep, keep doing it. Yeah. And you know, if it's something you love doing, then you just keep doing it, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And no it's, it's good to have another dad voice in the dadosphere. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Which is becoming more powerful. Like, I went to, I don't know if you know, dad 2.0. But uh, I, went, I think I've come across that one. Mm. So Dad 2.0. So it's an American network of okay. dad content creating dads. Mm. And another silver lining because of 
coronavirus, they took it all online last year. So I got the chance to go to that because it was all online. Normally it would be in Nashville or something. And and so, yeah, I'm just becoming part of these big dad Mm. networks, which aren't just in the UK, they're worldwide. And yeah, yeah, the public study will be part of that. Which, as we said, actually, just before we started this podcast, the there are definitely the, the voice now of of dads is saying that the dadosphere. Yes, it definitely feels like it's it, it, it's louder and, and bigger than it was. Whether that's pandemic related or not, I don't know. But there's certainly more voices out there, sort of doing what you're doing. Yeah, telling telling the story of how incredibly awesome pa- parenting is, being a dad. Yeah. But like, it's just yeah. it's it's fun, and I think we forget about that sometimes mm-hmm. in in the noise of just we're here for a fun time and yeah, yeah. yeah parenting is inherently difficult at times but the overriding arch of it is just fun and yeah of course it is of course it is. And it's difficult but in a it's not difficult like doing maths tests difficult it's difficult in a you know it, it all it does is build you up makes you stronger or creates new you know it's a different kind of difficult to do isn't it yeah, it's um, and it's always changing, and it's just yeah, it's a, a great time to be part of that. And it's a, you know, this uh, your podcast is about that work life balance, and as we've we've already said, you have to to have that work life balance allows you to enjoy the very short nature of parenthood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's short. It's short. It, it, it is short. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Although my dad wouldn't say that. I'm no. still very much part of him, part of his life was ringing up a lot of various things <laughs> in my 40s. So it does yeah, well, <laughs> he must be loving listening to your podcast. He does. I th- I'm not sure he's listened to enough. I need to tell him to listen to some more. But yes, to try and get him to embrace the technology a bit more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's it's important. So Yeah, it is. All right, Mark, well, I think we've probably come to the end of our time. So thank you so much. And I think... Um, Apocalypse Daddy obviously is online, so it should be pretty easy for people to find. Yeah, the apocalypsedaddy.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. The, okay, LinkedIn as well. And what about the book? So How the book. Get hold of the book. The, the, the book is, well, they can go to your house and read the book. Or, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, the, they, the, they will be able to read the book. Um, go to Apocalypse Daddy, sign up for the newsletter, and when the news breaks of when they can buy it, yeah, great. They, they will know. So. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Perfect. All right, Mark. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll thank speak you. again. Yeah, be, d- be delighted. Working parents fear. Yes, be delightful um, to come on. Have a lovely day with the Alps and the cows. Thank you. <laughs> I, I will. I will have a. I've been working for the rest of the day, but tomorrow I have uh, a walk planned. So tomorrow I will enjoy the great outdoors. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, Mark. Have a great day. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Parent Equation. And please remember to hit subscribe and also it'd be great if you could leave a review. Thanks so much and see you next time.